Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Well, today on the Thinking Church podcast, we are joined by Justin Towler. Justin is the pastor of Care and Growth at Renewal Church in Solihull. Hi, Justin. It's it's great to have you on the show today. W- would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, Chris, and uh, thank you, thank you for having me. Really looking forward to uh, chatting with you today. So, uh, yep, um, my name is Justin, and it doesn't matter that someone's already said my name. I have to start by saying it again. It's the only way <laughs> I know how to introduce myself. Um, and yeah, I work at uh, Renewal Christian Centre in Solihull. Uh, married to Liz. Uh, been married. Uh, 15 years this Christmas, actually, we got married on Christmas Eve, so I would never forget our anniversary. Um, and we've got uh, two children. Frankie is seven. Charlie is four. Um, and yeah, that's 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 a little bit about us. Fantastic. Getting married on Christmas Eve. That is uh, that's that's that would take some work to doing. I, I was also I also got married in December. And it's one of those things where I have to now uh, remember to not only buy a anniversary present and Christmas presents, but also my wife was born in late November. So everything just kind of gets squashed wow. into that. And also my daughter was born on the end of December. So everything is just like squashed into that period. That's, it's a, basic, that's an expensive month, hey? It's a very, very, very expensive month. Yeah. And so that, that that's how it goes. <laughs> um, okay. So um, we were talking before about um, so some of your journey in renewal and how you ended up taking over kind of the job as uh, uh, care and growth and looking at well-being. Uh, but you started off as as the kids pastor. So uh, it'd be great to hear some kind of how you went from kids pastor over to looking at well-being, care, growth, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I actually started um, being asked to be the laughing policeman in the uh, children's Sunday school one Sunday. So I donned the policeman's hat I was given and <laughs> did my best go at that. Um, so I became more and more involved in the children's ministry, ended up um, myself, my wife and another couple kind of heading it up together. Um, and that sort of grew. So, uh, you know, a couple of years later, the church invited me to interview for the role of children's pastor. Um, so came onto staff team. Uh, we had family centre at the time, doing lots of community activities in the week, Sunday school, um, all of the fun stuff that comes with children's ministry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, our, our kind of uh, head of pastoral care at that time uh, decided to move on. It was sort of quite quickly in terms of kind of publicly. Um, so he sort of left the role quite quickly. Um, and I was just asked to kind of step in for 12 months. So, you know, sort of step in for 12 months and uh, see what you make of it, see who else is around, see how the department could go. Um, and that was about five years ago now. Um, I had a great team member in my children's team who I'd already clocked. Uh, this guy can take this further than I can. Um, and actually, this guy's leadership is growing and growing and I kind of need to get out of the way, but I don't quite know how to 
um, and this kind of kind of gave an opportunity, I guess, for me to step up and develop into a, a role over here, but also give him a chance to step forward and uh, step into leadership and develop his role as well. So yeah, so it, it worked out well. The Lord was kind. Yeah, oh no, that's 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 always a good story because you know whenever you leave one area to have someone that's there that you can pass that on to is is what everyone I think would dream to have to have that so you know that you're leaving it on a good footing you're not letting something drop yeah that's that's always a great thing so you went from kids you went into taking on this kind of care and growth role now um I, i'm sure that the, the previous person did a, a great job and i'm so um but always there's always going to be things that are working well and certain things that aren't working well and that's just the nature of of just how things work um what were some of the problems that you encountered when you when you first picked up uh this this kind of well-being role what were some of the things that you were seeing in the life of the church yeah i think um you know some of the some of the issues and yeah absolutely I, you know i fully know that the guy who stepped into children's ministry could list all the things that i hadn't sorted out that he was left <laughs> kind of having to uh, having to, to pick up um i think some of our issues came from um just reliance on single people uh, i think in the business world they'd be called single points of failure um so we had some very highly skilled uh, professionals who were volunteering their time and involved uh, within the life of the church but when they stepped out or when it got too much um, or when, you know, change of leadership, they decide, OK, it's time for me to reflect and change roles. It left a bit of a vacuum for people um, and particularly some of the vulnerable people that we were supporting at the time. Actually, it, it did kind of cause them a bit of harm, to be honest, because suddenly they've had all this support. They've had this one person they can go to. They've had somebody who's kind of there and understands them when that person's then removed um, they kind of found that really difficult to deal with. So trying to create uh, kind of teams of, of depth, um, trying to create policies and procedures and kind of a common understanding of actually it doesn't matter who's involved, this is how we do things. Um, and sort of trying to distill what individuals were doing brilliantly, but kind of distill it across the team. So we're not reliant on kind of a few skilled kind of professionals at the top, as it were. Um, so that was certainly that was certainly a, a bit of an issue. Um, one of the biggest issues, I guess, one of the biggest things that I found, uh, it's always yourself, isn't it, as well, though? That's that's always the biggest thing you have to wrestle with. Um, and certainly pride. And, you know, when you're in kind of pastoral care, the expectation to just be the kind of the nicest, wisest, most caringest, always kind of available person. Um, is kind of quite high um, and I'm none of those you know I'm just I'm just not any of those things um, and so the kind of the I guess that kind of pride rises up doesn't it uh, you know previously to called it the rugby scrum approach to pastoral care you know when someone's going through something everybody wants to jump in and be seen to be the one who's present and the one who's caring and the one who's bringing all of the support and you know really had to kind of pull that apart in, in myself and in the team as well to go Okay, let's let's create clarity on what we're doing, on on who's doing what. Let's hold off this need for everybody to rush in and kind of prove their worth and prove their value and demonstrate that they're the superhero here. Um, and let's just you know try and not make it about ourselves. Um, and let's think about what would be the best way to support people who are going through uh, different different challenges. So that was certainly again a bit of an issue not giving into the pride and pressure of having to respond to 
every single person's distress in the most amazing way kind of possible working out how is this best done because it's not best done by me putting a cape on and flying into every circumstance that that goes on and, and I think the the biggest the biggest issue that I, I still wrestle with this um is kind of the unclarified expectations so what can we do and what can we not do um numerically renewal is 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 a kind of a larger church i guess but by, by uk standards not not globally but by, by uk standards would probably sit there um that does bring a perceived amount of kind of expertise and people think you know we should know everything about solving housing issues about solving legal disputes about kind of getting their immigration status resolved and you know we kind of have to keep clarifying hey we're we're not the experts in that um and hey here's what we can do but actually here's what we can't do and then trying to find other routes for people to say hey you know we can't fix every single issue that you face in life but actually there's loads of other organizations out there there's loads of skilled people out there who can support you and, and work with you so so clarifying those expectations of what do we do and who does it where um that would still kind of be one of our biggest challenges and and through the team as well you know renewal's got quite a few small groups i guess like a lot of churches would have and again like a lot of churches we're on the understanding that getting those working well is really key to our kind of care and growth of people is just in that community relationship um but again helping all those small group leaders to see this is what you can address in a group and actually, this is what you, you you can't address in a group. You can't hold that. You've got to pass that on now to myself or a team member or somebody else has got to kind of come in and help with that. Um, and getting the right things passed up um, and not kind of held on at group level or getting the wrong things passed up. Um, again, that's just a real kind of difficult balance of communicating to everybody and getting everybody kind of on the same understanding of of what we do and how we do it so yeah those are some of our some of our wrestles really interesting to hear you talk about there's that there's this, this kind of like dual need I think that we have in church life when it comes to well-being there's there's the need of the person who who needs help and support and 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 often that's they're looking to a ch the church to provide that but there's also the need of the the person who is doing the pastoral support that they often want to be needed and that's and and I think this is the tension that arises is that we have this thing where not only does someone have needs, but someone or we've also got the person who's running it is wants to be needed, and that can often be a an unhealthy combination of things. Uh, and I guess what that is is you've got to go back and work out okay, why what is the church's role? in this yeah. what 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 are we there to do and what are we then not to do so how have you navigated that journey of kind of okay let's have a look at that and let's discover what the church's role is in people's well-being 
how have we yeah sorry chris your internet dropped out there can you give me that question again oh yeah sure um so sorry, it's all mine dropped some no absolutely fine uh so looking at you know that need that people who are who have needs and then there's people who want to be needed you've really got to look at what the role of the of the church is in people's well-being how have you navigated that journey of discovering the church's role in, in people's well-being yeah yeah and and it's um I find it's a really dynamic thing that I'm still kind of navigating every day in terms of, okay, is, you know, is this my role to do this? Is it not my role? Is it somebody else's role? How, you know, how in this circumstance are we to be, are we to be at the church with somebody? Um, And you're right that that toxic combination of somebody who's got a need and somebody who needs to be needed um, is just really, really dangerous. And, and nine times out of 10, it plays like, it plays out like this, doesn't it? I'm the only one supporting this person. I'm going to be there. I'm going to walk the journey with them. And it's a shame the church won't do anything, but I'll jump in. And then very, very quickly, it turns to actually this person's getting a bit too much and I can't carry it anymore. And then it comes to actually now I'm dropping this person and backing out because I'm just burnt out and I'm, I'm done with them. Um, they're not changing quickly enough. They're not taking my advice. Um and actually, that's really harmful for the person then that 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 you've stepped in to try and support because you've set really unrealistic expectations. You've not empowered them at all in their own responsibility and their own journey to kind of care for themselves and grow and look after themselves. And then you've kind of rejected them at the end. So you've kind of brought another level of kind of hurt and harm to them. So, so I think it's... Um, Paul says in Galatians 6, doesn't he, almost in the same breath, he says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So there's this understanding that in the church, we we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to care. We are to carry the difficult situations in life. But then in the next breath, he says, um, each one must carry his own load. And I think that's the constant thing to kind of ask, Okay, what's the burden here that we need to share? Because this is this is too much for one person to carry. And actually, you know, what is your load? What is your responsibility to yourself within this? And what's your responsibility towards other people? Uh, You know, we've got we've got two small children and I'm um, particularly with my son. He's great. He'll drop something on the floor and go, can someone pick that up for me? And his sister will jump up to him and go, oh, I'll get it. And he kind of go, no, 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 no. Son, you have to pick up your own stuff. Like if you drop it, you pick it up. That That's just part of being human. And, you know, I know you're four, but life is not going to get any easier or any kinder. So we have got to get you used to taking responsibility for stuff. Um, and I think, you know, you, you, we've alluded to it a little bit, but I really, it comes down to, I guess, our theology. What do we believe about the church? And what do we believe about the role of pastors or those who are caring or those who are leading? Um, and, you know, Ephesians 4 makes it really clear, doesn't it? The role is to mature the whole body so that everybody looks more and more like Jesus. So so the role isn't to resolve everyone's distress much as we would like to. The role isn't to um, make all everyone's kind of difficult circumstances go away or kind of keep everybody happy or, or even... Uh, kind of say it tentatively kind of make everybody feel loved and warm and fuzzy the the role is to love everyone but it's to make them more like Christ and so I think every church and every leader has to wrestle through what do I fundamentally believe I'm kind of supposed to be doing here Um, 
and how in every situation am I allowing and helping somebody to become more like Christ now of course that looks very different you know you you wouldn't walk into somebody's deathbed and say well come on grow up and take it like a man and be more like Jesus that you know of course that's not how you would respond but again they're still a grown adult in that situation they're still if they believe in Jesus they're still a follower of Jesus in that situation so our job isn't to take the responsibility for that from them but it's to come alongside appropriately and say hey let's walk together in this as we as we both walk towards what being more like Jesus looks like so so sometimes you do kind of have to push the responsibility back onto people um i love one timothy five paul writes to timothy about about the widows and i know kind of in ephesus there's a specific issue about the widows so that's probably why paul's being really robust but you know he says to timothy don't put a widow on the list unless she's over 60 she's been faithful to her husband she's well known for her good deeds she's brought up her children well she's shown hospitality she's washed everyone's feet and she's devoted herself to doing doing good deeds um you know, I would love that as our kind of assessment form. Okay, you want the church to help you, right? So let, let me just ask a few things. Um, and of course, you know, we, we wouldn't do that. But again, we we can't provide the benefits of community to people who don't want to live in community. Um, and so it's this real tension of actually we, part I think of of our role in helping people's well-being and their, their care and growth is is teaching them this is what it looks like to live in Christian community. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. This is actually what we're responsible for in our own lives. And this is how we can support one another. What, what we can't do is live completely outside of that framework. And then when the roof falls in on our life, expect to pick up the phone and, and have somebody there who's going to immediately step into or it just... It, it just doesn't look, it just doesn't kind of work like that. Um, so part, I think, of our responsibility is actually teaching people to live well and to live in community and to live as followers of Christ so that when difficulties come, they have their own resources around them. They have their own kind of re- strength and resilience because we've built that into them. Now, of course, we're going to come alongside them as well, but but if we only wait until the roof falls in before we start to address any of this stuff, um, then I think we're, you know, we're in a bit of a difficult spot, really. It's trying to teach everybody to live as grown, responsible adults in a Christian community. And really, my um, my goal, you know, I know we're getting it right when the person doesn't ring the front office, but someone in their group does or someone in their team does or their friend rings and says, hey, did you know this has just happened to so-and-so? Because um, I, had, I had profound um, experience when, when my wife was first pregnant with, with Frankie, our daughter. You know, we tried for three years to, to get to this point. And at 26 weeks, we were serving in the Sunday school. She was 26 weeks pregnant um, and she started to bleed. So I said, oh, listen, we'll finish Sunday school. And then if you're still bleeding, we'll go to the hospital. Fortunately, a midwife walked through the door with her son at that point. And Liz said, can I just have a quick word? And the midwife came to me and went, get in the car. You're going to hospital right now. Um, and so, you know, so off, off we went to hospital. And, and in that moment, um, I rang somebody in the church to pick up my responsibility in the Sunday school and actually the person I rang wasn't even a leader within the Sunday school wasn't scheduled to be on that bit I completely jumped over all of my kind of hierarchy at that time 
and I rang instinctively I rang the person that I trusted and loved the most and that was just a real kind of eye-opener for me of actually what we need when things go wrong in life is people who know and love us actually, actually that's what I want for everybody within 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 renewal within our church when when something goes wrong in life, there's somebody who already knows them, who already loves them. They might not have all of the tools to support them throughout the whole journey, but there's already a relationship there so that when things go wrong, you've got a network that you can already call on. Then I think the role of kind of a pastoral care team is to come around that network and, and support into that, but not be kind of the primary, the primary piece of care. Um, another so so we went to the uh, my daughter was born three months early she's doing great now so we spent 11 weeks in hospital and the chaplain came and was lovely you know prayed ministered beautifully couldn't have asked for more again the most profound moment in that journey was when we were at home one night looking in our fridge going well we've got lots of food but we just can't think what to eat and the doorbell goes and it's a friend who's been a friend of the family for many years with just two roast dinners on plates going, hey, hey, I've cooked you dinner. Um, for us, that again, that friendship, that community love was more profound. It was a more profound expression of God's care for us than the chaplain coming in and praying. And the chaplain was brilliant. Couldn't have asked him to do more. But again, what we want is people who know and love us. And so I think, you know, part of our role has to be about building this community where everyone has the opportunity if you're willing to do the work and invest in relationship then you will get reciprocal relationships where you're loved where you're needed where you're known and that's what's going to actually get you through the difficult times in life so so I think we're having to navigate this personal responsibility and kind of corporate care we're having to navigate kind of just one anothering and then there is a role for a, a more specialist, if you like, kind of care. Um, but again, it, it has to all come back to a strong biblical conviction. What, what do you believe about the church? What do you believe about care? Um, if I'm ever asked by, by other people, you know, oh gosh, how, you know, what would you recommend? How does kind of pastoral care work? What should we do? I, and the first question is, what's your theology? What do you actually believe about this? Um, and, it, and if you can't scratch deeper than, well, you know, we just we shepherd everyone and love them. Well, yes, we do. But we need to do a lot more thinking because that won't get you through the difficulties um, that that kind of people will face in life. We, we need to have a, a much deeper understanding of what we're trying to do. And then last, sorry, I know I'm, I'm no, no, carry on, rambling, carry on. Last, I guess last last thought on, on this bit. Um, so I have a member of, of my team who is a psychiatric nurse, um, very senior, very, very, very skilled, um, incredible woman. And uh, she's been involved in, in care at Renewal actually longer, longer than I have involved in stuff before I, I took on the role. And her really big passion um, is that we just give people church. <laughs> um, actually, we don't try and fix people. Uh, we don't try and treat people although we, we are stepping back to opening a therapy service so we will do a level of treatment for with people professionally but actually the biggest thing that we can do um, is church and nobody else can do church you can get counseling from a variety of sources you can get your health care via the nhs or if you've got the resources you can pay for it you know there's lots of stuff you can get in for your life what you can't do is get church from anywhere but the church and i think there's three things that 
that we can provide in church that if you walked into a psychiatric unit and said you know I've got these three things on prescription would doctors would you like it they'd bite your arm off because we can give a community of value where regardless of people's circumstances or well-being or ill-being they can be valued and loved that's just immensely powerful immensely healing we can we can be a community of hope and again hope is such a key factor um, in people's well-being in their mental health having hope for the future well, well, well we've got that hope you know we know him his name's Jesus um, and we can give people purpose actually it's not just about grinding day after day after day actually all this is going somewhere it's there's an eternal life and there's a purpose on earth now we can give those three things uh, and I think we would do well to really zone in onto those three things and say, let's work hard at being a community of value, love, hope and purpose. If we can do other things on top of that, then great. If we can do it well, uh, then let's do it. But let's let's not neglect building a community of these three things, because actually people's well-being will massively increase if they get access to those three things. yeah i really really like that and i it's it it, it, it is coming back to what what is the role of the church in in the world and you know the role of the church as jesus would say is uh to bring the kingdom of god on earth as it is in heaven and how do we do that we do that by making disciples of, of all nations yeah. and so discipleship is is really our primary job it's something that in thinking church we talk about a lot about focusing very sort of narrowly and almost uh, we, we call it a, a minimum viable church just that your your commitment to discipleship and it is is the primary thing and and then in that 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 community comes you you're joining a community that has a shared sense of purpose and has that shared sense of hope and i think those three things are so vital to uh any human's well-being it's creating all of the you know the seedbed for um the uh, kind of a, a a good well-being life if that's a you know to coin a really bad phrase um and uh, we we provide that as as the church now obviously there's sometimes when that is there's more care that's that's needed and i think a lot of churches will will be keen to you know they're looking at maybe marriages and they they, you want to step in and, and do counseling of marriages um I mean, talk to us about the kind of the options that are available when when you've got to go beyond that kind of normal, you know, the the the, the job that discipleship does uh, and the, the job yeah. that the church does. And when you've got to go beyond that, what are the options available to churches rather than just sort of diving straight in? How can we think about yeah. counseling? Well, how can we think about the options that are available to churches? Yeah. Great, great question, Chris. And I think, uh, you know, it says of um, King David, I think it's Psalm 78, that he led Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hands. Um, so I, I have a, a GCSE uh, A, actually I've got an A in it, um, in electronics, 
I'm very proud of that. I built a car alarm. It did what all other car alarms were doing in the 90s, which was just went off permanently. Um, so it was great. Uh, you know, you wouldn't let me start opening up your fuse box at home, though. <laughs> Despite my my kind of A in electronics, you, you would go, actually, what we want is a qualified electrician. Um, and I think sometimes in the church, we make a mistake of thinking like we have to have the skill for everything. And again, that that's really dangerous so so I'm not a relationship counsellor um, I have my own marriage I have a level of kind of biblical study into it but I'm not a counsellor in relationships and so if people come to see me I'll probably see them once and then go hey you know here's what I see that if you guys want to address this you need somebody with more skill than than I have and I think there's lots of there's lots of options available for the church um, and sometimes we don't have to do everything. And sometimes it's not it's not wise to do everything. So when we were in children's ministry, we had um, a child psychotherapist many, many years of practice. She's still actually kind of on our pastoral care team now. And so for a while, we would do uh, some, some therapy with children um, as part of the offering that we had at the time. Um, and we had a room, she would go in and see them, you know, all the insurance, all the supervision, everything in the right place. But we just got really kind of uneasy about it because what we didn't want was children to come to church and go you know that's the room where I go in and dance around and sing to Jesus and then next to it is the room where I talk about some of the most difficult things that have happened in life and so kind of from that actually we started to go we're going to outsource this actually we're going to find play therapists in the area um, who they can go and see off-site you know you don't have to do everything in church and sometimes people don't want to do everything in church you know like I would imagine many other churches we've had to work unbelievably hard to get people to come on to marriage support stuff because people just don't like admitting that their marriage is in difficulty now everyone who's married <laughs> has been through difficulty it's just hard it's hard hard work but it doesn't matter how much you normalize it there's still this this kind of difficulty so I think we need a range of options. And some of it is, hey, here's some really great outside counselling services, some outside relationship support services that you can go to. You can do that completely outside of the church, get the help that you need. If you want to come back at the end and reflect with me, OK, biblically, what does this mean? How has it gone? You know, we're here for you. But go to somebody who's got the skill. Um there are organizations that you can, you know, you can, you can, you can buy in, you can contract um, and they'll come and deliver training to your team or there's even online assessment tools and mentoring tools now. So we use a tool uh, at the moment with our couples where they do all of the questionnaires online. It, it fills out a ref report for them. It flags the things that they think need talking to. And then it's got all the resources to have those conversations. And then as team members, we step alongside and help kind of coach them through uh, those conversations. Um, you could, you know, you could look at setting up your own kind of in-house counselling service. But then if you've got therapists within the church, you've got private practice, you might find they're willing to either volunteer time or again, become kind of a preferred supplier. I know of another church um, in the Midlands who's bigger than us, and they just have four or five therapists who are part of the church that they just refer people to. It's completely kind of outside of the church, but they just allow them to, to do that. Um, or you can, you can go the full hog. If you've got people with the skill, with the experience, with the qualification, 
who can meet all of the you know BACP standards and all of the ethical and all the legal requirements, um, then sure, set you know you could set up a, a therapy service. Uh, we're we're looking at that. That's something we're doing at the moment. Um, but again, we've contracted in an outside company who already runs therapy services and, and who support churches to get it set up. And they're coming alongside us to help us get our policies in the right place, our training in the right place, our, our supervision in the right place. So I think trying not to do everything on your own really is the is the only way to survive. You can't take it all on. So you've got to work out what do we do? What do we not do? Who else can help with the bits we don't do? And if there's something we do want to do, who's got the skill? Who, who understands this? Who's already made this work out there in the big bad world? Because, you know, we're dealing with people's lives um, we're, and we're liable. We're, we're very, very liable for everything that we do. No, no longer can pastoral care be, you know, somebody nice with a cup of tea. You've got to know what you're doing because you are, and rightly so, you're liable and responsible for the input you're you're having on people's lives so so yeah do some research see what's out there there's plenty of organizations that are willing to step in and help the church um, and I think really that's a, a really good step for churches to look at yeah I think that's a really that's a really great advice on there and there's loads of different options and there, there will be things to think through on that in terms of how does that scale how does that work across you know if it depends where the direction of your church is going if you're wanting to replicate something across you know multiple locations then that's going to be a factor that you need to think through if you're going to be in one specific location and as the church grows and multiplies you've got to think how that's going to work there's so many different factors and it links into the, the very fabric of of how you're setting up your church so it's definitely worth worth having that conversation uh with you know if you're a if you're running a well-being ministry within your church uh to think about it in terms of the whole not just in terms of just what you're yeah. you're doing uh Justin, I'm really interested to find out what you would recommend for, you know, we get churches that listen to this who are very small, uh, maybe don't have a lot of resources. Um, and what would you recommend if they're maybe they're just setting up or they're just trying to work out, okay, how do we do well-being well? What could, what could we do for with very little money? What sort of things would you recommend yeah. if they would sort of start day one? What were the things that you would yeah. recommend them working on? To look at. Yeah. And I think um, you're, I guess you'll never have enough resource. <laughs> so, you know, we're in your, again, so we've got staff team, we're looking at setting up therapy service, but, but I can guarantee you now we will not have enough therapy hours to meet all of the needs and the demand that come from our congregation. So even as you scale up, anything kind of specialist or targeted that you try to do will never be able to meet all of the demands. So, so again, have confidence in the way you structure church, the way you build community, the way you teach the word, the way you disciple people, that's that's what's going to make the most amount of, of impact to the most amount of people. So, so never lose the focus on that um, when you're thinking about, oh, but we don't have the resource to do X, Y, and Z. Well, even when you get that resource, the church will grow and then that resource will be overstretched anyway. That's just a constant tension of dealing with people um, there's always more need than you've got resource to meet so so keep working really hard at being the church uh, and again it's just kind of the sake of repeating myself but again what what do you believe before you get to any flowchart system kind of structure process and I think you need all of those but what is this thing you're trying to do and does everybody at your top layer of leadership 
have a common understanding and a common approach. So they don't need to know all of the details, um, but you know, our elders have to understand how I'm approaching care at renewal, because if they don't, and somebody thinks I'm doing a bad job and, and takes that to them, they've got to know what approach is it that we're using before they can work out, yeah, does this person have a valid concern or not? Uh, because if they don't, they're just going to end up undermining what we're trying to do, not intentionally, but everyone's got to have this, this kind of common understanding of this is how we work with people. These are the systems that we use. This is why we do what we do. So, so I think that's kind of first thing to wrestle through. Then I would go to, so what are the common issues? Um, again, you know, say this um, tentatively, but pastoral care is really boring because it's just the same stuff day in, day out. You know, and it's different people and you love the people, but somebody's sick, somebody's died, somebody hasn't got enough money and someone's marriage is falling apart and someone's struggling with their kids. Like it's the same, generally the same kind of five things that come round and round and round and round and round again. Um, Again, when we when we were in children's ministry, quite a large complex, we would have about 130 children on site over a morning and regularly a, a parent would come to the front desk and go, I've been to my child's room. My child's not there. And everybody would panic and we'd start running all over the place and the parent would be running all over the place and the whole team would be running over the place. And again, nine times out of 10, they were in the toilet. So after doing this, you know, nine times out of 10, I was like, for goodness sake, like we're gonna we're gonna set out a procedure here that says when someone comes to the front desk to say my child's not in the room, the first thing we're going to do is send one leader, not not the whole team, because now we've got 129 children not supervised. We're gonna send one leader to check the toilet, and then they're gonna come back and tell us. If they're not in the toilet, then they've snuck with their sibling into a different room where they shouldn't be. So then we're gonna send that leader to go and check the other room. If they're not in there then we'll start sweeping the whole building. You know, we never got past step two. Um, we never wow. lost a child. But what we did was take the panic out. This is a common situation that happens. So, you know, in a large church like Renewal, people are being bereaved on a regular basis. So we don't want them to feel like they're in a process, but we've got a process. So this is how the card gets written and it gets sent. This is the phone call that gets made. You know, these are the things that we're looking for. Is it is it traumatic? Is it an overseas bereavement? You know, was it expected? Was it sudden? Are there children? You know, here's all the things to think about. You know, will this just sit with a group, you know, a call and some flowers? Or actually, do we need to think deeper? So we've kind of mapped out some of the kind of common scenarios. Again, when someone's taken into hospital, who is the person that's going to be the contact for that person? You know, when we were in hospital um, with, you know, with, with the pregnancy, I stopped at 50 conversations and turned my phone off because I was like, I can't keep on top of all of these people who are very well-meaning, but they're, they're drowning me now. So again, it's about putting in, okay, how are you going to handle the common scenarios that come up? And again, what, what do you believe about them? Uh, I know from personal experience, the horror of sitting in an appointment room and going, oh, I don't actually know what I believe about this situation. You know, you don't want to be making your theology up when you're in the room with someone in the middle of a crisis. So what do you believe about divorce? What do you think the Bible teaches about sexuality? What does the Bible teach about illness? What does it teach about mental health? You know, what do you what do you believe? Not so that you're coming with all of the answers to that appointment, but you need a framework before you step into that. 
So, you know, work really hard on your, your, how are you going to handle stuff and what do you believe about them kind of before you get into that? Um, and then who, who have you got? Have you got professionals in the church? Because um, you, you most likely have. You probably have got some NHS staff or some mental health staff or some counsellors. What they're not going to want to do is do their day job for free in church, um, particularly if they're working within a healthcare or a counselling environment, because they just can't. It's unethical for them to do that. But what they probably would do for you is just a bit of consulting. So you could sit down with, you know, if you've got a mental health nurse, just sit down with them and go, hey, what are the common mental health issues that people are experiencing? And what should we do as the church? You know, I'll buy you a coffee. Give me an hour. Just give me some input. Help me write the frameworks. You know, you're not asking them to do appointments with everybody who's got a difficulty. But actually, are there people that you can just take advice that you can consult from that would be happy to speak in at a strategic level to you? Um, and then you might find if you get a bit stuck with someone, you could ring them up and go, hey, how would you handle somebody like this? Or what should be happening with someone's healthcare in this circumstance? You know, you, you might not be able to engage them in the work, but they might support you um, in doing that. And then I think, one, you know, once you've done that, make the expectations clear to the rest of your congregation. So it's not something we've done at Renewal, but I know of a church and I love it. Uh, if you become a member with that church, that, that they call it membership, uh, they say, here's what we promise to do for you. And they list out their kind of commitment to their members. And then they say, if you're not a member, we'd like to do this, but we're not going to guarantee it. Uh, like they're just making it crystal clear that actually, if you're fully bought into the community, this is what it looks like. And we will do this. You know, this is our best for you. If you're going to sit on the fringe, hey, we'll try, but we're not going to guarantee that we're going to be there in every difficult circumstance for you. Um, and I think, you know, that's again, that's just a really helpful way of making it abundantly clear to everybody. This is how care works around here and this is how to get the best. And then you've got to you've got to hold the line. You've got to hold the line. Um, uh, often, I think when you're looking at people to kind of do pastoral care, um, Timothy uh, Laniak, I think I've probably pronounced his name badly there, um, has written a, an academic book called Shepherds After My Own Heart. Uh, and one of the things he notes in there is that uh, King David is a musician and a fighter. And he says those are two ancillary skills that shepherds need. They need that soft, poetical, almost prophetic nature to be able to, you know, put words to people's pain and bring comfort and speak out, you know, kind of healing and worship over people. And they also need to be really good with a spear. You know, they, yeah. they need to be really good with some stones. They need to be, a, they've got to have a level of strength about them so that they're not getting dragged in and they're not getting pulled around by different people, and they're not going to pieces every time there's some distress in the community. Actually, they've got to be strong and compassionate. Um, and I would really think, again, about who you're stepping into any kind of pastoral care role. Um, have they got both of those skills? Are they going to be strong enough to, to hold the line as, this is how we're going to do things, this is how it works, but are they going to have the compassion in that as well? So yeah, I hope, I don't know if, if any of that kind of makes uh, sense or helps, those would be my thoughts on that, really.
yeah no absolutely they completely make sense and i love that thought of first off work out what your theology is on this and work out what do you believe and so we talk about at thinking church the thing of uh form following function the function of you know why are you doing it what do you believe that comes first and then the you know the process and i think we as churches i think we're guilty of trying to dive straight into process so we pick up you know well-being or you know pastoral care and we think okay right we want to dive straight into cases and work with people and and we want to work on this is how we're going to do it but actually all of that follows the 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 first piece which is what do you believe why are you doing it what's the role of pastoral care and well-being within the church those things first and then the second thing is is the system and it's interesting from hearing what you say is that it sounds like uh it's as much a system job as it is a a care job we often think we find the person who's the most caring we think oh they're really caring they'd be great to run you know the pastoral care within the church but that often doesn't from what i've heard from you doesn't seem like that's necessarily the the best starting point because it's so much a system thing Uh, it needs that element of care you need to have someone who cares but it's so much a system as well yeah i i I think so and that I mean, I might just say that because I'm wired as a bit of a systems kind of person. So uh, I don't know, I might, I might be in the wrong role, but I've made it about systems because that's who I am. <laughs> but I do think, but, but I'll give you an example. Um, so when, when somebody has a bereavement in renewal, we log it on the database and then it's an admin function every month to go, who's got an anniversary this year? And then a year on, we, we send them a card we just say, hey, we're remembering, hey, Kevin, you know, we're remembering your dad with you at this time of year, praying for you, lots of love, pastors. Takes me 30 seconds to do. Takes me 30 seconds to do. It's a a complete system job. I don't even have to think. And yet the feedback we get, because what everyone told us was, everyone forgets about you after the funeral. You get to the first anniversary and nobody's there for you anymore. And so we implemented a system that does all the thinking for us, that costs us very, very little, And yet people go, I can't believe that you remembered that my dad passed away this time last year. And I'm going, well, I didn't remember, but I did remember to put a system in place that would remember for me because actually, yeah, we love you. Now, now that might be a scale thing again, because renewal is the scale it is. We have to work systems. We just we can't. You know, if we work on what I can remember, the church will be for people very, very quickly. Um, It has to be worked on systems. But yeah, I think good if you design the system with, like you say, what are we trying to deliver? How are we trying to care for people? How are we trying to make them feel? If you reinvent that every time somebody loses somebody, you'll be reinventing it a thousand times a year. Um, Just work out a great way to do it and then systematize it, which gives you capacity then, you know, to think wider, to care more deeply for people um, because you're not trying to hold everything in your head all of the time. Yeah, if you're um, if you're if anyone's listened to this that's trying to work out, okay, how do I create great systems? A uh, book that I'd recommend is uh, the E Myth Revisited, uh, which is really good. It's um, it's actually about uh, people setting up businesses, but it would really anything right. anything that requires a uh, some kind of uh, scale, setting things up, setting up systems, and to, to be able to make something that's uh, what we cast as a kind of a turnkey solution. Uh, that's a really good book, and you can get it on Amazon. I'll put it in the show notes. 
Uh, and because that's a really right. helpful thing of thinking, okay, this has got to work more than just me remembering stuff. And it's got to work more than just, you know, if I, it's all on me and if I'm not there and if I don't remember it, then it all falls apart. It has, the system has to be the main thing and you've got to work that system rather than, than the other way around. Uh, and yeah, I'll, so I'll put that in the show notes for, for people. Um, let's just change tack a little bit now. Um, I know that, you know, we're recording this and, you know, it's still COVID. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, ju- it's just life now, it feels like. Um, and uh, mental health is very much being put under the, the spotlight. And um, what it makes us think is, you know, th- there's, we're so much more aware of mental health issues. It's been so much more in the spotlight um, through this year. You know, I was I was even looking at the top search terms that were googled in 2020 uh, caroline flack was one of them which is you know that's to do with mental health and um and and all those things which happened early in 2020 but one of the top search terms and it's a it's so it, what it means is it's on people's minds a lot um, what do you think we can do as, as churches to highlight the need for well-being and thinking about our mental health how what can we do in our services to start highlighting that yeah yeah, and that's a real um, that's a real challenge, isn't it? I think one of for me one of the things I've noticed about this year is um, people are having very 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 different experiences, but because we're having them separately, um, that actually makes it really difficult because everyone thinks the experience they're having is kind of the similar experience to to everybody else. So if I think about me and you know me and our family, my wife's a teacher. So our children were entitled to kind of key worker uh, childcare through school. Um, she's been obviously now she's back in school. So she's leaving the house every day, going to work. I work for a church that runs a food bank. So we're also essential and key workers. So we've been able to. So actually our life um, has been great this year. <laughs> we've had more time with the kids. Um, we had a great extended summer where we could spend lots of time in the lovely garden that we've got that we're really grateful that last year we decided to get sorted Um, you know again the Lord was kind and actually for us this year has been really really good I've got other friends who have been getting up at five o'clock in the morning to try and get all their work done before their kids wake up Um, and that's been an absolute nightmare we've got other families who are stuck in a tower block who've got had no access to outdoor space Then we've got people living on their own who are just feeling the complete isolation. So for an introvert like me, being at home all year has been marvellous. But for somebody who's an extrovert and is isolated and living on their own, it's it's driven them over the edge. You know, we've got some people who've who've spent the year on furlough. Some of them have loved it. It's been brilliant. Others have just that grief of that loss of purpose and will my job ever come back and am I ever going to, and then you've got other people at work who have never worked so hard in their life. And I think part of what, part of what we've tried to do at Renewal is just, just try to acknowledge every single one, um, which is really difficult, but we try not to talk, uh, try not to talk in generalities about everyone's feeling like this. Well, actually that they're, they're probably not, um, you know, some people are surfing the wave. Some people are clinging on to their surfboard. Some of them are falling off and some of them feel like they're sleeping with the fishes. You know, they're 20 feet under this thing. So I think it's trying to just acknowledge that actually everyone is having a really different experience this year. And it's bringing different challenges to everybody. You know, the the guy flat out at work 12 hours a day is, is probably jealous of the person who's been on furlough all year sitting at home wondering if your job is ever going to come back for nine months 
that's also not good for your mental health either. So I think it's about kind of trying to acknowledge where where people are people are at and that we're all experiencing this very very differently. Um, and but I, and I know it's a bit of a Sunday school answer, but I do think we're having to point people to go, okay, but what is God doing? So, so God hasn't changed. He's not giving a different experience. His grace is the same to everybody. So let's use this as a time to dig into. So what is God doing in you? How can you grow in this? How can you, again, how can you bring purpose to this time? This time can either be wasted or God can be doing something. So if we can get people to kind of focus on not, I've had my year frustrated, but actually what is God trying to do in this year? Um, I, th- I think, you know, kind of trying to lift people's eyes to go, hey, we're going to be experiencing this differently. It's going to have a different impact on our mental health. We're going to feel fear, anxiety. Maybe we're feeling isolated. Maybe we're having a great time and we don't want it to end. You know, we've got people who are fearing going back to work because it's been brilliant to sit at home. It's been great for their family. Um, but kind of what's God doing with with each one? And then I think we, we shifted strategy mid-year in terms of renewal, you know, the, in March, when we all thought this was 12 weeks long, um, apart from our wise NHS staff, who knew that this was probably going to go longer. You know, it was really, let's get on top of everybody. Let's reach out to everyone. Let's keep them connected. Let's just keep them going for 12 weeks. And then we can all get back in a room together. And then we can, you know, pick up from where we left off and deal with any issues that we've got to deal with then. Um, by the end of the summer, I was like, okay, we're going to have to teach people now to look after themselves because this is you know my team are now exhausted you know they've done their 12 weeks of keeping on top of everyone and now they need keeping on top of because they're absolutely worn, you know we've worn ourselves out um so we did a over over a six week six seven week period we just did a little snippet i don't know if you've come across the five ways to well-being no um, i haven't no no so it's a bit of a global kind of health initiative it's very similar to eat your five fruit and veg a day it's kind of five things that you should do, you know, on a regular basis to keep your mental health well. Um, and I hope I don't forget one of them now because that will be embarrassing, <laughs> but they're great. So so they are connect, um, take notice, you know, pay attention to what's happening around you. Don't get dragged into the anxiety of the future or, you know, kind of regret of the past. Pay attention. Um, learn. Learn something new. Learning is, is a great thing you can do for your mental health. Um, connect, take notice, learn, give give to others, you know, get your head out of your own issues and, and do something for somebody else. Um, connect, take notice, learn, give to others and be active. Be active, do some physical activity, go for a walk around the block, walk up and down your stairs three times. So we took one of those issues and we just did a short three minutes every single week. Um, okay, here's what the Bible says about connecting. Here's why it's really important. Oh, and by the way, do you know, actually research shows that those who have someone that they could ring at two o'clock in the morning in a crisis live longer than those who don't. So therefore we've got to work hard at our relationships. So who are you going to connect with this week? And then again, kind of follow that up the week after. Okay. So we've, we've connected together. How can we give to each other? Who can you pray for this week? Could you donate to our Christmas toy offering? How can you choose a toy for someone who's got nothing? How could you bless your neighbors, you know, get outside yourself so we kind of tried to really just, again, that general public health messaging, it's it's up on the NHS websites, it's all over the world, it's simple, simple stuff. But actually, there's a real scriptural foundation that we can dig into about every one of those five things. And so we just kind of use that to try and 
help people and just give them some tools here's things that you can do kind of for yourself to help maintain your your well-being because i think we've got to move the conversation away from you know kind of mental health issues like we we all have mental health so we we all have physical health and we understand our physical health much better than our mental health so we understand that we probably are eating a bit too much at the moment because it's christmas Maybe we're keeping our exercise up or we're not. Um, we might have a physical health condition that affects us a little bit or we might be kind of relatively free. Um, you know, we might be getting enough sleep. We might not be getting enough sleep. We understand all the different factors around our physical health. And again, it's the same with our mental health. We, we all have mental health. Um, you know, we all have levels of worry and anxiety and it's about managing that well. We all have days when we feel completely flat and that we've got no motivation now, everybody experiences these things now for some it has a negative impact on their functioning and that's when it becomes a problem but actually what we need to do is just talk about just like we're responsible for our physical health there are things we can all do to maintain our mental well-being and we're all going to find it tough in our mental well-being at points as well and that's okay and I think it's bringing that conversation back to it. Actually, this is just part of being a human. Here's some really practical stuff that you can do. Um, and then I think at the end, you do need to have some signposting because there will be people who actually this is beyond just the realm of a human in, in a pandemic. This is actually now really affecting my functioning. It's making me at risk. It's interfering with the way I'm able to kind of care for myself and live my life. And then where do, where do we signpost people with those issues to? And again, it may just be that you have to say, hey, if you're experiencing that, reach out, contact your doctor. Here's the Samaritan's number. Here's mine. Again, we haven't got to fix it all, but we can give good signposts to people as to where they can get further, further help and support. Yeah, great. And, and lastly, uh, last question to put to you and you know this this podcast is listened to mainly by pastors church leaders um and like everyone else you know that they, they are not immune from mental health issues and uh so what could uh, and how, how could you help pastors who listen to this who maybe have been struggling with their mental health um what advice could you give them to start thinking about and maybe implementing it in their life yeah so i think the first you know, the first thing I'd say is you're in, you're in good company. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anybody in, in leadership or in pastoral leadership this year that hasn't had a moment of, I think this is, this is just going to push me over the edge. Um, so you're not alone. You're not alone in this. Um, and also biblically, you're not alone. You know, so, so we always jump to Elijah, you know, most of your listeners will have got there before I have, and that's okay. Um, because he's, he's just our great hero of, somebody who slaughters 400 of God's enemies and then has a complete meltdown, runs out of his position, becomes completely suicidal and is ready to jack it in. Um, and God does some interesting things like letting him sleep, like giving him some food, like gently pointing out you're not the only superhero here. There's actually 7,000 other people that I could have used. So, you know, let's, let's take some of the expectation of yourself off yourself. You know, if you don't do it, somebody else will. Um, there are other people who are around. Um, and then, of course, he leads him, doesn't he, to appoint Elisha to say, OK, you can't carry this on your own. You, you've got to now get some other people around you who can help and support you. So, and again, most of most people listening to that will probably have heard that from somebody else or worked it out from themselves for Elijah. Um, 
quick pop quiz, which Chris, I don't expect you to answer, but we'll, we'll give a moment for the listeners to have a think. So I'm going to quote somebody else and see if we can guess who it is. So, uh, so this minister says, the pressure was so extreme that it was beyond our ability to endure. We even wondered if we could go on living. Well, yeah. So I, that's his first quote. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so I know who that is. Okay, okay. So the second thing he says is this. He says, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me, but I had no peace of mind, so I said goodbye. Wow. You know, we, guess, Chris. Well, well, I mean... It's the same we, person. Yeah, well, when you hear it, though, you know, you read yeah. it and you think, oh, okay. Yeah. But when you hear it, yeah. you gosh, you and you hear it in, in light of what we've been talking about, you know, that this these are serious issues i mean that's uh that's the apostle paul uh very good yeah 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 the, the 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 robust brilliant apostle paul who gets stoned stands up shakes the dust off and carries on like I, i'm not sure about you chris but you know if i got stoned i'm out okay yeah. like, i'm just not that strong you know, what do you say shipwrecked three times well after the first one why did you get back on the boat yes. like i mean like, you know we just imagine that this this great apostle has this He's, he's invincible, right? And yet in, in his letter in 2 Corinthians, so in, so in 2 Corinthians 1.8, he says, we were under pressure more than we could endure. We despaired of life itself. Now, the commentators will debate, is that a physical illness? Is it a threat to his life from, you know, those who are trying to hurt him? Or, or is it actually, this is, you're seeing a mental wobble here. Uh, unsure in 2 Corinthians 1, I've got a strong leaning. I think he's saying this is getting too much because he talks about the anxiety that he has for the churches. But then in 2 Corinthians 2.12, he says he goes to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and finds the Lord opens the door for him. Uh, churches aren't getting shut. He's opening them like God is doing something incredible. But he says, I had no peace of mind because Titus wasn't there. So I said goodbye and I went to Macedonia. Paul is so anxious about what's happening at Corinth that he walks out of an open door ministry opportunity. And you just kind of go, okay, if the apostle Paul didn't feel like walking out, he actually walked out, you know, God opened a door for him and he went, I'm, I'm too anxious about something else. I've got to get out of here until I can find Titus who can help me and bring me back down again and tell me what's going on and ground me again. Again, the, the power of those relationships that will ground you. Um, if the Apostle Paul got to that point, then I think we can be kind to ourselves when we get to that point as well. Um, it's normal. And man, if you're still in your ministry position in December 2020, then like, well done. If you've done, if everything else has gone wrong, but you're still there, that's an incredible achievement um if people haven't experienced signs of strain this year i'd be more concerned about that group like how have you missed what's happening in the world um everyone's going to feel this everyone is going to have moments of difficulty and if the apostle paul isn't immune then we we are certainly not immune um there's a few practical things i want to get to but i've got this half-formed thought though um about humility about humility and i think you know, every time I feel myself feeling under pressure, starting to kind of be stressed, you know, feeling like I'm burning out, feeling the pressure coming, I kind of have to stop myself and go, you know, what am I trying to prove to who? Mm. Am I actually putting more expectation on me than is needed? Um, you know, the, the treasure is in, a, is in a clay jar 
uh, and we have to admit our own frailty, our own clayness, our own humanity and going, actually, we, we are really weak vessels. <laughs> we are really, really weak vessels. And if we if we start pretending like we're not, then we are going to get ourselves into into difficulty. Um, and then who have we got around us? Who can we who can we lean into? Who is there? We've we've probably missed them. You know, I, I remember when we were early on leading children's ministry and, and working at the time, not working for the church, working full time at the time. And again, got got really, really anxious, didn't want to not be there on a Sunday, couldn't delegate, couldn't leave things. So I, and I knew this was a problem. And, you know, my wife knew it was a problem more than I was. So she packed me off to a therapist. And uh, and I remember talking to her and going, you know, but, but what if something goes wrong? Like it'll be it'll be on my head. And she said to me, well, well, who are you when you're not there? Who's in charge? I said, oh, well, I've got this person. Oh, well, what do they do? Oh, well, they're, you know, they're a sister in an ITU ward. And she was like, so, so somebody who is a ward sister in intensive care is not good enough to look after your son. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? She was like, yeah, it is ridiculous. And he's like, well, so well, who else have you got? And I was like, well, there's this, this other couple that we lead with. And, you know, she's a senior project manager and he's a senior graphic designer. And they've done children's ministry for longer than we have. And they're great leaders. And they're like, this is actually your pride that's driving you here just you've got great people around you got god has always put great people around us but sometimes we start to burn out because we narrow in and we we don't see that and we struggle because we maybe we're trying to prove something about ourselves so it's trying to work out okay am i carrying more pressure than i need to are there other people around that i just need to let let stuff go and and let let them get on with stuff. Um, 2021 is not going to be any easier for us. Um, so I would think if you're listening to this over the over the Christmas break and you've got some time off, like I'd encourage you, be really strategic in how are you going to plan. My last thing I did for 2020 before I left the office was go back through my week rhythm and go, okay, what am I doing on a Monday? What am I doing on a Tuesday? How has it been going? And just realized I need to shift some meetings around because every Tuesday, every Thursday, I'm doing back to back meetings all through the afternoon. And it's no good. It's no good for me. It's no good for the people I'm with. So I've had to send some emails, apologize to some people, go, hey, is there any chance I can move you to a Wednesday at one o'clock? Like, I'm sorry to mess with your week. But, but I'm having to plan now to lead myself kind of well. And I think the same for your rest times. You know, I know if I don't plan my rest times, I either do one or two things. I just slump and eat various forms of potatoes, be it roasted chips or crisps. I'll just <laughs> eat my weight in potatoes or I'll be like, OK, right. Uh, I'm frustrated with what I've achieved in church. So I'm going to redecorate the house or I'm going to take on this amazing project. I'm going to clean everything. Everything's going to be in its place. Um, and you kind of go, no, you have to plan your rest, plan your downtimes. What are you going to do? What's going to kind of fill your tank? Um, and then who who can you connect with outside of your church or if it's people within your church do they understand that they're with you and not with a pastor so, so we've got a couple of friends two two couples um, and you know we've we've all worked hard over the years of just kind of going you know I'm just in when we're when we're here um, and they're great they're really gracious to me if if I want to talk about church they'll let me talk if I don't mention it they won't mention it so they won't bring it up um and they're just you know we are blessed we know that those friendships are, are precious and god-given but i've got to have a space where actually i can just you know let it all hang out where actually 
I can just be me where I can take off that responsibility and actually just be somebody's friend um, mm. and not be carrying that leadership weight. Um, and I think we've got to build our lives bigger than the ministry that we're in, because if, if it's all consuming, it will consume everything um, yeah. and it will consume you. You know, that's the thing with all consuming it. It's all consuming. Um, and so I would really encourage, OK, you know, take the pressure off yourself. You're doing great. Who have you got around you you can delegate to? Who have you got around you that can you can sit down with and go, I'm finding this really tough and that be OK and that be safe. That might need to be kind of out of your church. Um, how are you going to rest? How are you going to replenish? How are you going to set? You know, 2021 is a marathon again. So don't run it like a sprint in January. Set a good pace, a good sustainable pace. And I know, you know, we get it at Renewal, the pressure to open up, to go quicker, to go harder, to go faster. We go, no, 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 we, we are setting a healthy pace and everyone's going to have to endure with that um, because what we're not going to do is rush to something that people want us to do and then find we can't sustain it. And then I think, you know, do you need to get some professional help? Um, supervision is rare in the church. So, so if you worked in any other caring profession, you would have a regular supervision where you would sit with somebody and they would say, so how are you doing, you know, in you? Are you well? Are you fit for your job at the moment? Is this job kind of causing you to have ill health or is this job actually, are you flourishing? And what do we need to do to support you? Um, and I would say if the church is looking to buy in some counselling, the first person they should give it to is the pastor, um, especially the senior pastor, you know, buy them some supervision, send them to the Association of Christian Counselors or the Christian Ministry Counselling Services and let them have a safe space where they can talk about the difficulties that they're facing, the frustrations that they've got, the pressures that are too much to bear. It is just invaluable. Um, and then finally, I would say, just don't, just don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. Paul tells the church in Corinth, all I came to you was my weakness. That's all I had to bring. I just came with my weakness. It wasn't my cleverness. It wasn't my power. It wasn't my strength. I came in weakness and trembling. And sometimes it's okay, it's okay to do ministry in weakness and, and trembling. Um, but we just need to make sure we've got the right support around us. So, so yeah, those would be my thoughts from a co-stressed uh, out <laughs> pastor as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for for giving us your time. I've I've absolutely loved this conversation, and uh, Chris, I've, it's been a I, pleasure to chat. No worries at all. We're, I'm sure we'll probably get you on for another podcast at another point uh, because I've just absolutely loved talking about this. And uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we will see you again very soon. Thank you so much, Justin. Brilliant. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church, and we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.